This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum, and today I am joined by Katie Scott to discuss the risk of applying a Bible verse out of context and the benefit of understanding its context and applying it correctly. We've all seen or likely own a coffee mug or a t-shirt or a water bottle sticker with verses like, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, or all things are possible through Him who gives me strength. But what happens when something horrible or unexpected takes place in your life? What happens when you put in the work with a pure heart? And still, you are denied the desires of your heart. Does your faith crumble? Do you grow angry and resentful toward God? Knowing the context of a single Bible verse and the full story of God in His Word becomes crucial when life doesn't go as you had hoped. That's what you'll hear today in this conversation with Katie Scott. Katie, welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. It's nice that we finally made this connection happen. It's kind of been in progress for a while and, you know, cancellations come, you move, like all these things happen, but here we are. We made it. (laughs) We made it. That's right. Well, as we get going here this morning, I love to have my guests share a little of their faith journey. And so how did you first come to know Christ? Like just begin walking with him. Sure. So I was raised in a Christian home. Um, my parents were both Christians from the time that they were pretty young. Um, and so actually my faith journey with Jesus started really young. Like I have pretty distinct rem- memories of being four years old and sitting with my dad in his big blue lazy boy like recliner. And we um, prayed together. And I remember one running up the stairs to tell my mom and just like this lightness that filled my spirit when I knew that I had decided that I wanted to follow Jesus. And, you know, your faith as a young child and even having perspective on that faith now as an adult Mm -hmm. is really just like, I made that decision at that time. And I felt very confident in that. And I was very blessed that I could remember parts of it. So I could kind of look back, even when I got a little bit older and be like, no, I did that. And I believe that today. And that's, that's all true. Um, but I, I liken like my faith journey. It's just a walk that we just, I just kept walking with Jesus. And there were different points in my life when I think about being like a young teenager and I went to church camp, you know, and threw a stick in the fire and was like, I'm dedicated to the Lord or whatever. <laughs> um, church camp, man. It's the best yeah, because there's so many like <laughs> transformational stories that come out of it. Yes. Yet it's the cheesiest things ever. <laughs> It is true. It is true. But I, you know, and it, it's so interesting because I was like, I was genuinely though, just generally searching for Jesus, continuing to search for him and to read my Bible on my own. And then, um, I think as you know, I grew up and became a teenager, um, and even a college age student, I never went through a period of time where I deconstructed or like, was like really questioning or struggling, but I, I feel like I had like hundreds of tiny moments of that, where I was like, 
this doesn't match up. You know, my, my grandmother passed away from cancer when I was 17 and I was mm-hmm. like, we prayed for her. You know, she was, um, held in a beautiful Christian woman and had this real incredible faith testimony. And yet she died. Like yeah. God didn't answer our prayers. And, you know, you wrestle with that, like in a small, you know what I mean? Like a small season. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, I, you know, I guess I, I guess I'm going to trust. She trusted you. I guess I'm going to keep on trusting that this is part of what you're doing in the world. Um, and so I think in that, like in college, I can remember too, I went to a really conservative Christian college and I would sometimes hear things from the stage. And I was like, what girl, that's and me instead, now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like it's so interesting because instead of being like getting bitter or even being like, okay, I guess we're doing this now, you know, um, I would go back to my dorm room and sit on my bed and go through my Bible and be like, just read until I felt like I was like, nope, that's really not a thing. And somehow this person has their wires crossed and that does not line up with what I'm reading and the God that I know. Um, I love that. I love it too. Looking back on young Katie, I'm like, that was yeah, just really just, and I feel like there were so many of those small moments where I, I had, had moments of doubts moments of questioning. And I felt like I'm just going to keep coming back to this fact that I love Jesus. Mm -hmm. And, um, I never really left that. And my husband and I have been involved in ministry and volunteer positions. Um, we've done it professionally, um, worked (laughs) in ministry settings all over the years. Um, but I think that process of just following Jesus and saying yes to whatever the next thing is that he lays out in front of us, no matter what it might be, um, it's just the way that my first faith journey has worked and the obstacles or the hardships and hard times that come for us that we've just sat with them with Jesus mm-hmm. um, and going back to the word over and over again. I deeply appreciate that perspective because I, I used to think that, you know, like, oh my gosh, because I'm having these doubts, this is when I was, you know, mm-hmm. much younger, like something must be wrong with me. And now, mm-hmm. you know, even with my own kids, I talk to them and I'm like, it is an absolutely normal occurrence to have, maybe not like you said, these huge, like I'm just ready to abandon my faith altogether, but these questions along the way of just like, God, are you really mm-hmm. who I've been taught that you mm-hmm. are all along? And that can come in a variety of ways, right? And it's just very normal. And you can ask him that. Can mm-hmm. I trust you? Yeah. Are do you, you care faithful? about this? Yeah. Are you good? Yeah. I think those are all the questions that looking back that I have kept asking God and, um, he's always, always answered. Yeah. And always it just sometimes faithful. takes like mm-hmm. more than, you know, it might not be the answer that comes like mm-hmm. that day. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm struggling. And this may mm-hmm. be a couple months. It may be a little bit longer, but I, I'm continuing to ask you, like, I want you to show me that you're faithful. I want you to show me, yeah. um, That willingness to believe that he will, Mm -hmm. I think, is a big, big part of it. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At BOW, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, 
Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Well, today we are talking about God's promises and really Mm -hmm. how God's promises misapplied can cause quite a bit of damage. And so Mm -hmm. let's begin that conversation with, is there a time in your life personally where maybe you were taught one of God's promises, or maybe you just came across one of God's promises and maybe it was the misapplication, or like you said, Mm -hmm. you kind of clung to it a certain way. Then you went to the word and discovered, okay, wait a minute, this is man screwing this up, not God. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Share that with us. (laughs) Yeah. So the specific promise that jumped out of me is, um, one of my favorite Bible verses. Um, and it is in Psalm 27, 13 to 14. And it says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I heard this verse for the first time in seventh grade. I am not hating on camping or Christian camping. Please don't hear that. But I heard it at Christian camp <laughs> and a college girl was kind of teaching all the girls. And she was talking about this verse and how she found it in the Bible. And she really applied it to like having a boyfriend. And she was like, oh, I will see the goodness of the Lord <laughs> in the land of living. And I believe God will bring me like this awesome boyfriend, Christian man into my life that, you know, it's going to be amazing. You know, this Um, is proof that God can use anything to change lives. (laughs) I know. Right. I was going to say like issues, Tim Tebow, but he was not even, he was, he was like a toddler. So that doesn't, that doesn't even apply. Um, but like, you know, like this Christian man, it's like, Oh, that's amazing. And you're going to finally, you're going to see, you know, I was in like seventh or eighth grade and she's like, you know, I'm a freshman in college and I've seen some things. And, And now I went to Christian college and I have found this amazing boyfriend who's, you know, rocking the college life anyhow. And I was like, (laughs) okay, okay. Like this is the verse that I can, you know, I mean, very drenched in purity culture, like pray over my future husband, which is not a bad thing, but I was just like, this is Mm -hmm. what, you know, it means the goodness of the Lord equals a good Christian guy. Mm -hmm. Um, or the goodness of the Lord equals everything going smoothly for me and my friend groups, you know, all those kind of things that I think maybe even just in looking for a good application for seventh and eighth grade girls. Um, that, that was what the person had landed on. And I think that that was a wrestling point when I mentioned, like there were periods of my life where there was loss, where there was mm-hmm. hardship. And then you're going, well, what is the goodness of the Lord? Or when you actually get married and you're like, man, I don't know if this man leaving socks around my house is the goodness <laughs> of the Lord. Like these dirty socks does not feel like the goodness of the Lord. Um, and I was like, oh, when it's I'm so actually true. in marriage, <laughs> it's With actually 18,000 cups that are sitting on my kitchen. This does not feel <laughs> like the goodness of God. <laughs> right. And so I think that when we talk about like false expectations, that some of these promises of God can give us, and then we get disappointed when things don't turn out the way we feel like we were promised. And I think this promise, because I've loved this verse for so long, I think that over time, like it has become dearer and sweeter to me because as I've gotten older, I know and believe the goodness of the Lord is the Lord. Mm. Like that is what I'm waiting on, that he is the one that is going to walk through everything in life with me. And that is the goodness. Mm-hmm. That is the gift. I'm not looking for, 
you know, whatever it might be that I qualify as, you know, goodness. I think sometimes that that mash game you played when we were, you know, kids or like at sleepovers where it was, who are you going to marry? And I was like, you know, the goodness of the Lord is Jonathan Taylor Thomas in a mansion in California. And like my (laughs) career as, I don't know, hard hitting reporter or whatever I wanted to be at the time, (laughs) you know, I think that that's what I was like, ah, that's the goodness of the Lord, but the goodness of the Lord is himself. And I think that when we look at to these promises, both through our life and then through the whole counsel of the word of God, like if we just grab these verses, maybe you could make them mean that. But when we see, you know, Daniel experience the goodness of the Lord in the lion's den, living his entire adult life in occupied territory as a person that couldn't leave. He was not a slave, but he wasn't free to leave. He wasn't free to go. (laughs) Um, And so when we begin to look at the whole counsel of the word of God, everything we see these promises have to make sense yes. within, in everything and not just kind of pulled out and put, you know, on an Instagram quote or, mm-hmm. you know, a bumper sticker or something like that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. See, and, and that has become, I, I dare to say one of my live verses. <laughs> That's <laughs> sorry, which is perfect for this no, conversation yeah. actually, because we take these things that we quote unquote, say they're life verses mm-hmm. and we slap them on things and there's not a lot of context there, mm-hmm. you know, but seeing the goodness of God in the land of the living is something I say so often more as a response to no matter what circumstance yeah. you're in, mm-hmm. look for the goodness of God in the land right. of the living. And that is also communal. I think we're so mm-hmm. self-centered, mm-hmm. you know, we put it like the college girl, she's mm-hmm. really talking about how it applies to me. Mm -hmm. And that is, oh, the sweet boyfriend or, oh, Mm -hmm. the perfect home or whatever. But I mean, if we look around in any situation outside of ourselves, we can oftentimes see the goodness of God in little tiny moments all Mm -hmm. around us. And that gives us that hope of, okay, he hasn't forsaken everything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so again, that that's the whole council of scripture, but let, let's talk about some of these things that do get slapped on coffee mugs. I'm sure you and I yeah. both <laughs> have plenty of them. I mean, I do. Yeah. I have one right here. She is strong. Proverbs 31, 25. That can go. mean a whole <laughs> host of things. <laughs> now this one was a gift, but I've bought plenty of them. I have the shirts, mm-hmm. see the good, you know, I have all the mm-hmm. things. Um, But what can really happen there when Mm -hmm. we just take that, we misunderstand it, and then maybe what do we need to do differently? So one of the big ones that gets put on (laughs) everything, I think, is the Jeremiah 29, 11. (laughs) Um, which is like the four, I know the plans I have for you declares the word, like plans to prosper you NIV prosper a little struggle best with that word, but um, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. hope. Um, and that's a beautiful, beautiful verse. It's a beautiful promise of God. Um, but for me, at least the first places I kind of saw that was like graduation cards, um, you know, your wedding cards or like the little, little sticky signs you can put on things, you know, you can get it at Hobby Lobby and we got our vinyl stickers now and our water bottles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. You can just kind of put it wherever. And, um, I really, I feel like a lot of times we apply it to the start of something like the start of something really good. And like that God has a plan for you and it's going to be good, whether that's like you're traveling or whatever. Um, but when we, read through scripture and we see the context of that verse, it's not about starting something good. It's about being in the middle of something bad. I mean, don't don't read Jeremiah if you want to be happy. 
Because it's very oh little gosh. about that there's a hope and a future. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, yes, that I read through that book. I was, I don't know if it was last year. I, I wept with Jeremiah. I wept at the end of Jeremiah. I wept for Jeremiah. It is so, and I was, the end. I was like, well, what happened to Jeremiah? And then I did research and I was like, oh, anyways, it, it's not good. He dies. <laughs> that's, as that's we cool. all will, <laughs> as we all will, but like, not in a way that you're like, oh, tenderly he slipped off. No, no, it wasn't like that. But I think that that is something that when this passage was written, we can see that it was written to people that were in captivity, had already been taken, removed from their homes, probably suffered, you know, loss of friendships, like people they knew died and they had to be marched to this foreign country. And it wasn't even like, Hey, sit tight. Like the rescue is coming. Like God's going to send, you know, the chariots to zoom me back to Jerusalem, to the Holy city. It was like, sit down and get used to being uncomfortable and trust that in this situation that doesn't make any sense to you, that doesn't feel good, does not feel like the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, that I have a plan for you that involves peace, like welfare, whole body, soul and spirit goodness, but you're going to have to, to endure the season and wait. Yes. Um, and so I think that that is an amazing promise, but it's really for like when you're going to jail or when you're in the middle of a divorce or when you are just lost your job or you're struggling with a sickness or seasons of illness and there is no ready cure. There's no end in sight. And that, I think that even though when we understand, I think the passage, the promises in their context, it all of a sudden becomes more powerful. Like you said, with the one, with the goodness of the Lord in the land of living, you're like, if I'm believing that and claiming that as a promise of God in my hard seasons, that means a lot more to me than like God promises me, uh, you know, someone who's obsessed with me or Mm -hmm. yeah, or an easy life or that everything is going to look and feel, you know, perfect, or I'm going to have the American dream or whatever it might be that it's so much richer and sweeter in that context. And is so much more comforting because the fact is we all are going to face hard times. No one lives a perfect life where everything aligns wonderfully. You know, all of us face hard situations and times when we might question God, um, or question our circumstances at least. Mm -hmm. And I think that these promises are so powerful in and for that time. Yeah. Well, and when something like this is misapplied by a believer, I mean, what can be some of the not so great outcomes of that? I think we see a lot of this in people deconstructing and losing their faith altogether. Just going, this tragedy happened. I cannot make sense of it with potentially like the way I was spoon fed truth as a young believer, or even just what I know right now. Um, I think that Mm -hmm. that can be devastating for someone's face, really, because they're not being given. And I think sometimes when we give people truth, sometimes we want to make it a little bit softer, a little bit easier for them. And sometimes Mm -hmm. when someone decides to follow Jesus, we don't give it to them straight like Jesus did, where he said, you're gonna have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And that's a hard call. And sometimes when we make that call or that invitation to people today, we make it real soft and like, you know, we can trust Jesus and we're going to give our heart to him. And there isn't really the grittiness that a Christian life actually has. And that is what we see over and over again in scripture. When people started to follow Jesus and live for Jesus, things did not get easier Mm -hmm. for them. That's, that's not the case. Yeah. And I mean, I think too, like just, so for example, when I'm sitting down with my middle school and 
early high school girls that I lead, I can see sometimes when I'm losing them Mm -hmm. because I'm going a little bit too deep. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes what happens with that is we get to this level of our faith and and, and not just our Mm -hmm. faith, your age can make a difference in how much Mm -hmm. you can take in or process. But it's somehow like very seldomly do I see people moving from these elementary truths into, okay, we've taught you this first layer, or we've discussed this first layer, or we've, you know, slapped the the thing on the coffee mug. Now, what does that mean when things aren't good? Let's flesh that promise out when your life is falling mm-hmm. apart. Let's flesh that out when you don't get the part of the play and you feel mm-hmm. like, I had everyone praying for this and the answer was no. And so I don't know if that happens enough in community, but yet we're expected Mm -hmm. to do that individually, you know, and I don't know if that's a vulnerability thing or what it is, Mm -hmm. but I find myself trying to like get that across even to these young girls. And I think I lose them sometimes, but I refuse to only speak Mm -hmm. to things that they currently care about because I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know what? You're not always going to be 13 years old. And this person that's your friend is not always going to be your friend because you won't always be 13 years old. So we mm-hmm. got to talk about something. You know what I mean? Right. No, totally. And I, I think that for me too, I can remember really distinctly when I was in college and a woman came in and she had been a student before. So she was like an alumni and she talked about James one, where it's like the, every good and perfect gift is from above. And she Mm. talked about that in the context of having a miscarriage. Mm. And Mm -hmm. I felt like that was one of the first times in my life that maybe that someone had been real, real, real honest, or maybe the first time that I caught it because like people could have been trying. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Could have been trying and I could have missed it. But at, you know, 19 years old, I was like, oh, this is some real stuff. Like these, like, this is what we need to know that good and perfect gifts don't always feel like good and perfect gifts, but they are because our father is the father of heavenly lights. Um, and so I think sometimes about that too, like some of it might be, yeah. Like when we're available to receive that both in our spiritual depth and our emotional depth and, you know, our mental learning, you know, as your brain grows into itself Mm -hmm. as a young person. Um, I think that there is that too. And I think that a lot of times when we lose people too, with these promises, when we're not willing to, we want them to kind of hop over that questioning and natural development, um, that is happening. I think like mentally, emotionally, and spiritually in your early twenties, in your late teens, as you are faced with both hard circumstances and kind of a larger, um, expanse of, of knowing what the world is about. Yeah. And we begin to kind of struggle. And I think that for older Christians or Christians who are a little bit like, I mean, I'm a little bit older than that being willing to be like, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure that doesn't make sense. I can tell you about a time in my life where nothing made sense. And this is what I clung to. And this is what I kept believing even when perhaps to an outsider, it wouldn't have made sense to do that. And here's how Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have what I have because of that, you know? Yeah. I mean, cause it, it is hard. And so as we think about whatever your age is, mm-hmm. but maybe we're speaking more about spiritual age. Cause obviously mm-hmm. for some people, uh, you know, I feel very fortunate that, um, I became a Christian when I was younger. I would say I really didn't start understanding Christ until I was in college, but you know, some people are in their forties and fifties before they get to that place. And so what is it about, sorry, I'm trying to think about how I want to word this. 
when it comes to really understanding promises, mm-hmm. how do we need to view those and uh, maybe consume those as a Christian in the, the full context of scripture? Mm-hmm. One thing that was has been helpful to me. And from this practice, I really developed a Bible study around the promises mm-hmm. of God is that one summer, um, I think the summer of 2020, our church was reading through the Psalms. Mm-hmm. And as we were going through, I know was starting to kind of notice, maybe someone had asked me even um, like, well, how do you know what a promise of God is? And I kind of tried to, you know, been like, okay, well, these are things that God says that are true about him that are true about us. And as I was reading through the Psalms, I grabbed a purple highlighter and I just started to mark every promise of God that I felt like jumped out at me. Like, so what someone else might read something and they're in a circumstance and be like, this is how the Holy spirit is speaking to me through this other promise. So I began to grab and highlight them as I read through the Psalms. And then the next year I read all the way through the Bible using the chronological Bible reading plan. And then I still had my purple marker and I was still, you know, marking those when I saw them, or I was like, I think this is something that God is, is promising his people, even promises that he made to Israel that still aligned with uh, still aligned with things that God would promise his spiritual children. There's nothing like reading the Bible in the context and in like, not, we're not cherry picking verses. And I think that that is an important piece of understanding. This is that you are willing to go, okay, I want to, when I'm reading the Bible, I want to zoom back in out on the context of it. And I want to look at, okay, so I'm reading in Ephesians. What, who is Ephesians written to? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. why, why what was this going person on? Feel, yeah. Why did <laughs> yeah. this person feel compelled to, to know? And you can do that with a good study Bible. Um, I also love the Bible project has videos for everyone. And so when I, yeah, like it will just really succinctly explain kind of some of that, like what's going on around it. And then you can kind of start through the book and see how whoever's writing, what, what their argument they're building towards, or like what answers that they're trying to find. I recently read through first Corinthians and, um, just knowing that Paul was answering a lot of their questions. Yeah. So it can feel like you're like, oh, we're, we're hopping from big subject to big subject. But it was like, he had some bullet points that he was like, these are the questions you sent me. And I kind of like hyped you up on the gospel. And now I'm doing Q and a time at the end. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that once we understand some of those things, we can begin to see the promises the in the context in the way that they're, they're supposed to be understood. Mm-hmm. And then we can also check them against the other things we know about God from his word, because you don't want to build a theology or build a way of thinking about, I mean, a theology, a way of thinking about God around just one or two things that you have parceled together from, you know, social media. I think of another one that's like, um, God is within here. She shall not fail. And it's like, that's not talking about <laughs> never having a bad day at work or never being a failure. Or as never, a mom. I like, was going to say, or never failing. Like, yeah, it's not, it's not anything like it's, this. It's not how you measure failure, right? <laughs> at the right. end of the day, it's like how we measure failure is not how God right. measures failure. And so Yes. Or even like being like, okay, that verse is about Jerusalem and actually eventually (laughs) Jerusalem failed and fell. And so like, you know what I mean? Sometimes you're like, you have to, like, there's so much there to unpack. And I think that that's being a good steward and a good student Mm -hmm. of the word of God. Um, and something that we hopefully develop and lean into. I, I don't love it when people are like, well, I'm, I don't know theology or like, I'm not a Bible student. Uh, And I'm like, "Mm, but you could be, (laughs) that is open and available to you. God is making himself known. And we live in a time where there are 
so many resources that are engaging too. It's not yes. I mean, it's like the, the Bible project's a perfect yes. example. It's so engaging and like thrilling almost to mm -hmm. discover what was going on and why those things were important and really how much like us they actually mm -hmm. are. <laughs> Yeah, it's not, you don't have to go to like a library and check out, you know, systematic theology or even go to seminary and to mm -hmm. understand a lot of things. There are people that have gone and they're like, let me break it down for you really easy. Yeah. Um, and I think that those are resources we can all take advantage of that will help us understand these, these promises of God. As I've talked to people and um, just in my own life too, like a great foundation to realize with the Bible as well to help just get, introduce you or get you more intrigued is to begin to understand that the Bible is one complete story that is actually yeah. continuing in us today. Mm -hmm. Because I was really surprised to hear how many people, when I've asked this question, or when I've been in situations where it's been asked, has viewed it more as like, these little moments of like God mm -hmm. teaching us things. Now, does that happen? Well, absolutely. But it is a story of all kinds of lives over time and in different mm -hmm. regions interacting all towards, well, the hero of the story, mm -hmm. Jesus and redemption. Mm -hmm. And that is fascinating because you can find Christ all the way back to Genesis. Mm -hmm. That changes so many of the promises for me. Yeah. And you can see even like the interconnectedness or that all these promises are getting us to Jesus and how you know yes. getting us to him either both like in our current lives, if we can get to Jesus or in the future as the old Testament looked forward to Jesus. And I feel like the first time that I understood the Bible that way, like I had read through it multiple times, but yeah, like you said, kind of like section by section mm -hmm. is when I was pregnant for my oldest daughter. So it's about 10 years ago, someone gave us the Jesus storybook Bible. Mm. And I read it to her. This is such a like first time mom thing to do, but I like read it to her in my last trimester. I would read it in the morning oh, out loud. So sweet. <laughs> I know. Did you do I'm that like, for I your didn't... third child? No, 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 no. <laughs> well, he might've caught glimpses of it. Like when I would read it to the other two, but it was not the same intentionally like plus, you know, <laughs> but I, oh, yes, I, would, I would weep. I was crying. I was like, yeah. I'm getting something that I, in maybe just in the way that I had been taught the scriptures, the way I had understood it, that I had not quite connected all that storyline until I read it in such simple language. And then I was like, no. oh my goodness, there it is, the whole thing. And I think that is something that helps us. And like you said, too, understanding that the Bible is not written as like a self-help guidebook. Mm -hmm. um, it's not written as a marriage handbook or mm -hmm. a parenting handbook. It's not meant to be read that way. It's it's a story that you can immerse yourself in, but it's not a story about you. Mm -hmm. And so I think that when we read those promises and we're reading the Bible for me and not like, where do I see God? What is God doing in this story? And we can also ask like, what does what God is doing mean for me today? Like we should have something yes. applicable <laughs> that meets us in our everyday life in the Bible, but that doesn't mean it's about us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really huge shift to make. And I think it's a shift that overall, in at least in like American Christianity, I feel like people are starting to make a little bit. People are starting to kind of understand that as well, which I think is so positive and powerful. I do too. I mean, I know like Felicia Masonheimer, who you're probably familiar with her mm -hmm. book, um, Every Woman a Theologian. 
I really appreciated it because going back to what you said earlier about how people are like, oh, I'm not a Bible student. And I mean, one thing is if you're a follower of Christ, that's like saying, I sit down at the table with my husband and I never have a conversation. Mm-hmm. We, we just don't do that. We know our friends because we spend time with our friends and we ask about our friends. No one wants to be friend with someone who only sits down and the person talks about themselves. So that's a great way that I try to describe even to younger people with engaging the Bible. It's about friendship. It's about not sitting at the table Mm -hmm. and being silent, but being curious about who God is Mm -hmm. and what he's doing. But that leads into Felicia's book. If someone's listening and they don't know really where to begin, that book is just so such a simple guide. It's practical language about what does it even mean to think about God? Like, mm-hmm. what are some of these other big things, you know, and it talks about themes and things like that. And um, I just really appreciated it because it was, it's just simple, you know, I mean, it's a way yeah. to say this is not near as complex and we can get so intimidated, but you do have to start somewhere and be willing to look like you don't know what's going mm-hmm. on. <laughs> yeah. I think too, at whatever age. (laughs) Yeah. And getting personal with it too. And the fact that you said like, oh, I'm sitting down and I'm trying to have a conversation with someone and get to know them. Mm -hmm. But what if you were only trying to get to know them through what other people said about them? Right. Yeah. Like that's not an actual relationship and you're going to get a lot wrong if that's the way that you approach it. And so I think that we can do that sometimes in our faith. And that's a good challenge to be like, you can, and you should get in here and kind of own this thing mm-hmm. because it's going to, I don't want to be like, it's going to be better. That also makes it about you, but it, it is going to be a sweeter, richer, more impactful. It's going to change everything about your life. And I think that there are a lot of Christians that get frustrated because they are taking that secondhand, yeah, just information. Like secondhand relationship. And that's mm-hmm. not how we do any relationship. I like to have the visual, right? So mm-hmm. that is something like when I'm sitting around a dinner table with your family, It's you Mm -hmm. and maybe your spouse and your kids, or maybe you, it's you and your roommate and a group Mm -hmm. of friends. Have you ever been at that dinner table where there's the one person who just constantly dominates the conversation and they're not asking you anything or anybody else at the table about themselves. They're just talking about them Mm -hmm. the whole time. Yeah. That is not pleasant. And I do think that we approach God in that way. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we either listen to someone else, tell us about him, or we come to him and just spout off all the things Mm -hmm. we need, which we should do. He wants that, Mm -hmm. but there's also a listening and a gleaning of who he is. And the only way to Mm -hmm. know that is through engaging his entire word and his continued work in the world through local church. And I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the people of God. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I just started preaching on you. I'm sorry. I love it. No, but I'm I know here. you agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, like, yes, girl. <laughs> preach it, preach it. Let's close out with this. So you said you have a Bible study on this very topic. Promises that we sometimes take and misapply. Give us a little sneak peek into that. If someone is listening and they say, oh, wow, like this could really, this is something I don't know a lot about. Like, I don't know a lot of the backstory Mm -hmm. of Jeremiah 29, 11, but it sounds like I need to, Mm -hmm. what could they expect? What I have is it's four video sessions and each of them are diving into the context of a a kind of a clump of promises. So I've like promises about God promises about you 
um, promises about peace, strength, wisdom, kind of topical promises. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we're kind of unpacking in those video sessions, the context and kind of the way we maybe got it wrong in the past and things that people kind of misassign to these promises. Um, so those are video lessons that I have. And then there's also daily scriptures that you read, expand to your context, Mm -hmm. and then you can look and write it out slowly and then reflect And then there's just like a time for listening, because I think it's really powerful. Like you said, when we're in that conversation with the Lord, sometimes we don't stop to listen and to have the Holy spirit speak to us because this is not just like, you know, personal like word vomit time, (laughs) Um, but to hear things from God as well. And then there's a spot where you can reflect and be like, this is where I feel like this passage is meaning for me today, where it's meeting me in my actual life. And then it closes every day with um, a worship song that goes along with a promise. And I created this really as a busy mom. This is probably three years ago, I guess, that I created this Bible study. And so my kids were very much toddler preschool age, and I did not have time for a longer Bible study, honestly, but I wanted to get into God's word and I wanted to go deep quickly and feel connected quickly. And I love about this too, is that you can, if you don't have much time, you can just read that one verse and that can be powerful enough. If you have the time to expand, then you can fill up that time. Look at, you know, look in your Bible study notes. Um, let it take as much time. You can have a more soaking time in the word of God where you're spending 20 to 30 minutes. Or if you're like me and I just need, I just need to know that God can give me wisdom. And I need to spend a little bit of time meditating, reflecting on a verse about, yes, I can ask God for wisdom. And that's one of his promises to me that he will give it to me Mm. and move through that time in like 10 minutes. Mm. And so that was really um, part of my goal in creating it It was something that would be really accessible for when we have longer times and shorter times with Mm. the Lord. So I have like a digital product where you can print off the pages, put it in a binder. And that's how I've used it for a really long time. Um, And that's great, especially if you write big, but I also just recently got it done on Amazon as a little print journal that you can order yourself. Cause I know that some people are like, I really want to hold, I, I do not want to print anything. I want to hold something. So this is just like perfect tuck it in your Bible size. And then you can buy the digital resources separately altogether. It is the same price, but if you want the print print thing, those are on Amazon right now. Oh, so that's, that's kind exciting. of fun. Um, looking at the promises of God, you will be blessed and you will walk away, I think, knowing some things about God. And that in turn can, can create so much security in your life. I was speaking with someone this weekend. I was at a women's retreat and she was talking about how she felt really insecure. We were talking about friendship in my session, but then we were talking about how she feels really insecure in friendships. And like, she's driving away friends because she's so insecure. Mm -hmm. And I was like, sis, you've got to root yourself in the promises of God. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, I just don't know anything good about myself. I'm like, don't start there. Don't start there. I was like, let's, let's go and look at what does God say about you? Or what does God, who does God say he is? Mm -hmm. And then start there. And the fact that you have the faithful one, you have the one that is good beyond any comprehension, even that we humans, yeah, can understand And that's where we can root our security. So that's why I feel like there's a lot of things in our Christian walk and our Christian life that when we understand and we claim and own these promises, um, and one thing I have people do in the Bible study is just say it, say it out loud. Like God is faithful. Like God is faithful. And even if things don't work out the way that I would have pictured it, that doesn't make you less faithful. Mm Well, Katie, so what is your website where people can find those things if they're interested? And and I know you have all of the ways to connect with you there. 
Yes. So www.chasingvibrance.com is my website. I am on all the socials at chasingvibrance.com. Just punch it in and you will find me. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And you can get connected there. I send out a weekly email that's a devotional and some things that I love. Yeah. And Katie does these wonderful things like every, I don't know, how many times do you do your bundles? A couple times a year? I've tried to uh, like three to four. Yeah. And she's included me in those. And so like three or four times a year, she just gets a bunch of us together and it's, you know, you can come and kind of decide as far as in what free resources you would like to participate in, but she does a really great job with that. So um, head over and check all those things out. If you were interested in checking out the resources Katie mentioned, visit graceenoughpodcast.com slash promises. At graceenoughpodcast.com, you can also find some of the most requested and useful episodes, including a four-part series on mental health, a five-part series for those who've been spiritually wounded. You'll find conversations addressing identity and set, how to form healthy tech habits, and conversations to expand your prayer practice. Head to graceenoughpodcast.com to find those episodes and linked resources. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Compelled Podcast which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.